Welcome to the 34th Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure, Take with, the adventure us. with us. With us. With us. With us. With us. With us. And welcome back, everyone, to the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb, and we are about to start another episode of Classical Studies 101, The Odyssey. Today, we'll be reviewing, we'll be diving into Chapter 6. As always, if you'd be so kind as to leave us a lovely rating or some lovely comments on whatever platform you are using to listen to this. We'd really appreciate it. Helps us get the word out. And of course, how could we possibly do our journey into the world of Homer's Odyssey without the help of the one, the only, Dr. Gary Stickle? Welcome, Gary. Hi. So, Gary, catch us up. Where are we now in the story of the Iliad? And then tell us about Chapter 6. Okay. When, uh, you know, uh, as I always say, the Odyssey, you know, just like the Iliad is the greatest story of war ever written, the Odyssey is the greatest action-adventure story ever written and the most influential one. Uh, and, uh, and the thing is, it, it just has... Uh, parts that are beautiful and lyrical as this chapter is, chapter six. So when we last left off on our uh, exciting journey, our odyssey of the odyssey, <laughs> so, um, Odysseus, yeah. That was your rib shot. There you go. Thank you. Uh, Odysseus was um, washed up on this island after his raft had been destroyed by Poseidon, the god of the sea. Um, because uh, and he he did that because Odysseus uh, blinded his son the Cyclops in order to escape the Cyclops cave and 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 you know in order to avoid being eaten by the you know by the Cyclops. Well, that, just that last chapter, chapter five, one of my favorite chapters in in any of the great classical works. It's just it's because when it's the gods and goddesses are involved. Yeah, uh, it's just fun and exciting, uh, at least for this particular reader. And that was a great chapter, very vivid. And of course, we we're left at the end with you, you know, as well, we said Ulysses with uh, Odysseus, you know, capsized the storm and then crashing, you know, onto this uh, onto the shore and then you know just kind of you know, crawling to safety. Yes, and he crawls under an olive tree, and he covers himself with leaves. And uh, and, and then it says, uh, this is the end of uh, chapter 5. Um, so great Odysseus buried himself in leaves, and Athena showered sleep upon his eyes, sleep in a swift wave, delivering him from all his pains and labors. Blessed sleep that sealed his eyes at last. So as we open chapter uh, 6, and... Uh, Again, I'm going to be reading from uh, Robert Fagel's, uh, you know, good translation, uh, you know, beautiful to read, 1996 translation. And he gives uh, titles to every chapter or book, they're called, actually. 
And again, I keep saying uh, they're called books because I think each one was a separate scroll. Uh, and, and they called the Greeks called the scrolls books. Anyhow, the title of this chapter is The Princess and the Stranger. And so what this chapter is about is Odysseus, on all his previous uh, you know, episodes in his 10-year-long voyage home from Troy, encounters all these gods, monsters, and goddesses. And basically, uh, you know, they're all uh, opposed to him, and they give him uh, trouble. You know, they, they, they've killed all of his men except him. Uh, so now he's alone, the only one that's surviving from his uh, fleet of ships. And so uh, here he is, voiced up, and, uh, and he's naked. He lost his clothes and everything in the thing. And so I'm going to really, read really strip bare, strip down as much as you can. The gods have stripped him down to nothing. Stripped him down and to nothing. Washed him ashore. Okay. So I'm going to read a lot from this chapter because I think it's lyrical. So here's the beginning. So there he lay at rest, the storm-tossed great Odysseus, borne down by his hard labors first and now deep sleep as Athena traveled through the countryside. So she goes through the countryside and reach the, Fagos uh, uh, translates as a city, it's probably, you know, it's more like a town, of the occupants of this island, which are called the Phaeacians. And, uh, <clears throat> um, but they previously lived on another island called Hyperia, uh, as, as this passage says, all too close to the uh, Cyclops, <laughs> murdered Cyclops the violent brutes who harried them all without end. <clears throat> Excuse me. So their godlike king, uh, Nausithous, led them off in a vast migration, and they settled them on Sharia Island. Uh, and so they built walls, they built houses, they raised to the gods' temples and shared the land for plowing. But his fate had long since forced him down to death. This was the original uh, king. And now Alcinous ruled, or Alcinous, and the gods made him wise. So straight to his house, meaning his palace, the clear-eyed uh, Athena went, full of plans for great Odysseus' journey home. So she made her way to the gaily painted room. It's interesting that Homer mentions that because uh, the palaces are apparently are very uh, beautifully and extensively painted. Mm -hmm. To judge from the uh, palace at uh, Pylos or Pylos of old King Nestor, uh, not only the walls were painted, the floors were decorated, even the ceiling. So, gaily painted uh, room or throne room. Uh, no, this is a, a bedroom where a young girl lay asleep. Uh, and, and, and it says she's a match for the deathless gods in build and beauty. <laughs> so, she's really beautiful. And her name is Nausicaa, and she's the daughter of generous King Alcinous. So this chapter is about, um, finally, Odysseus lands on a place where the people are nice to him and friendly and generous. And as I mentioned before, this is part of the uh, Greek concept of xenia, meaning good uh, hospitality that a host gives his guests. And we see that it begins with, uh, to Odysseus in this chapter. <clears throat> it's interesting because that concept came up. We did uh, 
a review of the book Circe by Madeline Miller, and that concept came up in the book in terms of um, Circe in this in that particular story because it's interesting because obviously Circe plays a, a very big part in our in the Odyssey what we're working on. So this is a novel about one of the characters, specifically Circe, our matron goddess. By the way, this is the thirty four Circe Salon, of course, and in that book she shows that kind of welcome to strangers to her island, the island where she's been banished. And we talked about that. I mentioned that how you and I have been talking about that kind of hospitality that the ancient Greeks offered to strangers. Right. So it goes on here that uh, two of her handmaids, fair as the graces, you know, these goddesses, the graces, uh, slept beside her. Uh, and the goddess drifted like a breath of fresh air. Rushed to the girl's bed and hovering over, she spoke. In other words, it's like a dream, okay? In, in face and form, so she transforms into uh, uh, the daughter of uh, Dimas, who's a friend of uh, Nausicaa. And, and so Athena, disguised as this other daughter, uh, says to her, Nausicaa, how could your mother bear a careless girl like you? Look at your fine clothes lying there neglected, and your marriage not far off. And so she's saying, uh, go and wash these clothes at the break of day. Now, I find it very interesting that it's not beyond the dignity of a princess to um, wash clothes. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I wonder what it says for the culture at that time. I guess it's it just wasn't even thought of. It's what they yeah, I mean, did. You know, later on, you never think of a princess, uh, you know, doing something mundane like washing clothes that be delegated to servants, you know. But mm-hmm. here she's going to go wash the clothes. And so she says, you know, go first thing in the morning. Uh, your kingly father will harness the mules and wagon for you. So she has to take a wagon down with all the clothes, apparently, from the royal ballast and and carry all your sashes dresses glossy spreads for your bed you know bed spreads and so on all of it okay uh and then after she puts that in her mind athena then the bright-eyed goddess sped away to olympus where the god's eternal mansions stand and a great radiance plays across the world from from it and there was this radiating light, I guess, you know? Right, right. And then it goes on, and then Dawn Rose, Dawn is a goddess. Uh, and uh, and the co-host of our other podcast. Yes, her name is Dawn after the goddess. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, rose from her splendid throne and woke Nausicaa, and uh, still beguiled by her dream and so on. And then she goes to see her mother, who's sitting at her hearth, uh, spinning yarn on a spindle, so the mother's weaving with sea blue wool, it says. And then close to him is her father, the king. And so she speaks to him and she says, Daddy dear, I, 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 that's a translation, I, you know, it must be father dear or something like that, you know. Uh, Daddy dear, uh, uh, will you harness a wagon for me? Uh, so I can take our clothes to the river for a washing. <laughs> so, and uh, and then uh, uh, 
you know, she's telling him, you, you really need to have cleaner clothes, you know, spotless linen, she says. You have five sons, and by the way, five is half of the sacred number 10, 10 years for the Trojan War, 10 years for the Odyssey Voyage Home. Right. So the sacred symbolic number system is embedded in this chapter as well. So you have five sons, full grown to palace. Two of them are married, but three are lusty bachelors. And they need, they demand crisp shirts fresh from the wash. So, so she wants to wash the shirts for her lusty bachelor, uh, you know, uh, brothers. A, a kind of an odd sentiment, but yeah. Yeah, it's an odd sentiment. And um, and so the father says, I, I won't deny you the mules, my darling girl. I won't deny you anything. Off you go. So then she takes the wagon out now, pulled by a mule team. And uh, so she's making her way to the, uh, you know, it says here, uh, the she packs into the wagon food and uh wine and wineskins, and a golden flask for olive oil. And I'll explain what that's going to be. And he says, for her maids to smooth on after their bathing. So uh, bathing is mentioned relatively frequently throughout uh, the Odyssey. So uh, the Greeks were hygienic. And so uh, so she you know, takes off with the, the mules uh, trotting at a clip and so on. Her maids went with her. Apparently, they're walking beside her, you know, a bunch of maids. And they reached the banks of the river. Now, this river is like this uh, confluence with the sea. Mm-hmm. So uh, Odysseus is very close by. And they uh, they loosen the mules and let them graze and so on, on luscious clover and so on. They lift the clothes by the arm load, plunge them into the dark pools, and they stamp on them. Uh, I guess they're stepping on them you know, to, to cleanse them, you know. And then it says, once they bathed and smooth, then they smoothed their skin with oil. And then they took their picnic, sitting on the river's banks, and waited for the clothes to dry in the hot noon sun. And then, get this, they strike up a, uh, a game of balls. So they're throwing a ball around, which I, th- I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's been paintings of this you know, through time of uh, Nausicaa and her beautiful girls. And then they start singing and dancing. How about that? So, you know, it's just part of this lyrical chapter. The dancing beat is light as Artemis with her arrows striding down. And you like Artemis. Of course. And so on. Um, so anyhow, so Nausicaa shone among her maids, a virgin still unwed. But now she was about to fold her clothes and yoke the mules and turn for home again. Now clear-eyed Athena thought what came next, and so she decided to wake Odysseus. And uh, and it says the ball that they were throwing about, suddenly, uh, you know, she tosses it to uh, a maid, but amidst the girl and splashed into a deep swirling pool, and that woke up great Odysseus, never seen sleeping by that pool. He sat up with a start, puzzling, his heart pounding. And so he says to himself, man of mystery, whose land have I landed on now? What are they, violent, savage, lawless, or friendly to strangers, God-fearing men? 
Listen, shouting echoes round me, women, girls. Or are they nymphs who haunt the rugged mountaintops and the river springs and meadows? Or am I really close to people who speak my language? Up with you. See how the land lies. See for yourself now. And so, uh, you know, Homer says, uh, muttering, so great Odysseus crept out of the bushes. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and he, and he, uh, uh, he uh, takes off his leafy branch he has around him. And so out he goes uh, naked. And he uh, he looks like a mountain lion exultant in the power, according to Homer. I, I really like that reference. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Odysseus moved out to mingle among all those lovely girls. So he's walking naked. Wait, he just decides to go out naked among them. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's there's a uh, there's a confident guy at a minimum. Yeah. But uh, I think he'd be arrested in today's world. So. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. So it says naked now, but the need, uh, you know, meaning to meet the girls, you know, to find out where he is, drove him on. But he was a terrible sight, all crusted, caked with brine. The girls scattered in panic, as you can imagine, right? But it says, Only Alkenos' daughter held fast, for Athena planted courage in her heart, dissolving the trembling in her limbs. And she firmly stood her ground and faced Odysseus. Uh, and... Uh, and so Odysseus has to, you know, decide what are, uh, apparently one way to greet people is you uh, you go up to them and fling your arms around their knees, and then you uh, beg them, you know, for help. Wait, you greet them by wrapping your arms around their knees? Yeah, that that's part of their, uh, you know, tradition, their behavioral pattern. Is it only when you need help or just to say hi, like everybody gets in the town no, square? No, when you need help, I think. Okay, well, there you go. Because so that, that'd be a little odd during family gatherings. So he says, you know, he, and so he thought, you know, to, to plead with a, with a subtle winning word and, and so on. And so then he talks to her and he says, here I am at your mercy, princess, uh, or are you a goddess or a mortal? If one of the gods who rules the skies up there, if you're Artemis to the life, the daughters of mighty Zeus, I see you now. Just look at your build, your bearing, your life-flowing grace. But if you're one of the mortals living out here on earth, three times blessed are your father. In other words, using the sacred number three. Your queenly mother, three times over your brothers too. He's assuming she has brothers, you know. How often their hearts must warm with joy to see you striding into the dances. Such a bloom of beauty. And so I have never laid eyes on anyone like you. So he's really sucking up to her, okay? Yeah, it's laying on the flattery. So I never laid eyes on anyone like you, neither man nor woman. I look at you, the sense of wonder takes me. He is crafty Odysseus, right? Yes. And it says, but once I saw the lichen in Delos beside Apollo's altar, and so on. So now I marvel at you, my lady, wrapped, enthralled, too struck with awe to grasp me by the knees, though pain has ground me down. Only yesterday, on the 20th day, and 20 is twice the sacred number 10, did I escape the wine-dark sea till the waves and the rushing gales had swept me on from the island of Ogigia. That was Circe's island. Um, and excuse me, that was... Uh, Calypso's Island. Uh, 
Now some power has tossed me here, doubtless to suffer still more torments on your shores. So notice he's asking for her help. And he says, compassion, princess, please. Uh, you have first I've come to. I know no one else. Show me the way to your town. Give me a rag for cover. Just some cloth, some some wrapper you carry with you here. May the God, good gods give you all your heart desires and so on. A, a good husband, a house, lasting harmony too. And so on. Uh, your, your joy to all your friends. Mm-hmm. Their own best claim to glory. And then she talks to so him. So he's, wish, he's wishing her all the best, all the blessings she can get if she just will help him. It's a, it's a very common so he, feeling we've all had, right? Yes. And as you said, he's a clever, crafty Odysseus, you know? Mm-hmm. So then she speaks back to him. Friend, you're hardly a wicked man. No fool, I'd say. It's the Olympian Zeus himself who hands out our fortunes, uh, hands our fortunes out to each of us in turn to the good and bad. Uh, he gave you pain, it seems. It seems you, you simply had to bear it. But now, seeing you reached our city and our land, you'll never lack for clothing or any other gift. The right of worn-out supplements comes our way. I'll show you our town, tell you our people's name. Phaeacians we are. We hold this city and this land. I am the daughter of generous King Alcinous. Uh, all our people's power stems from him. So then she calls out to her girls, stop, my friends. Why run when you see this man? Surely you don't think him an enemy, do you? And so they, she tells him to, he's okay. You know, he's, he's, he's going to be fine, not to worry about him. He's an unlucky wanderer straight our way, and we must tend him well. Every stranger and beggar comes from Zeus. And uh, Odysseus repeats that phrase when he gets back to his palace. For every stranger and beggar comes to us from Zeus. In other words, um, this is talking about uh, being charitable. You know what I mean? To beggars, even. Which we, yeah, we talked about from early in this particular episode, but in other episodes, that kind of charitability. And again, like we talked about, is I would imagine it has a lot to do with living, even still with all those sophistications, still so close to nature still so at the mercy of nature and the wild. And so people really need to help each other, particularly then. There are no cell phones or safety stations or way stations. You're just at the mercy of the elements and someone's kindness. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, just like today with uh, all the homeless we have in Los Angeles, city of Los Angeles and L.A. County, and they're not being... Uh, cared for in the right way, you know, and I uh, mentioned before I developed a comprehensive plan to take care of the homeless, which we can't get any politician to uh, embrace. And uh, so I I agree with Homer, you know, every stranger and beggar needs to be helped. Mm -hmm. We need to do it the right way. It's a a generous and noble and graceful sentiment. So then uh, she leads this is to a, a special plot. They lay out a cloak and shirt for him to wear and give him a golden flask of olive oil. Uh, and then uh, they they ask him to take a bath. So he takes a, a bath in a, in a pool, you know, to, uh, and, uh, and, but he tells them, finally he tells them, uh, you know, 
and stand where you are, dear girl, is a good way off. I can rinse the brine from my shoulders now and rub myself in oil, but uh, but I, I won't bathe in front of you. It's okay for him to walk nude in front of him, but he doesn't want to bathe in front of him, okay? I find that kind of well, interesting. Oh, yeah, I wonder what that particular <laughs> cultural prohibition is, but anyway. And um, he said, I'd be embarrassed stark naked before young girls in lovely braids. Well, he wasn't stark naked when he walked up to them, you know? Yeah, it's, I, maybe we're supposed to think he had some covering. I don't know, but okay. And then it says the handmaids uh, scurry off um, and uh, so on. And then once he had bathed all over, he rubbed himself in oil, donned the clothes the virgin princess gave him. Uh, and then get this, Athena interacts again because she's the, you know, the patron goddess of Odysseus. And she says, uh, uh, Athena made him uh, taller to all eyes, his build more massive now. And then from his brow, she ran the curls like hyacinth clusters and so on. Uh, as the master craftsman washes gold over beaten silver, a man, the god of fire, meaning Hephaestus, uh, the god that the, uh, it was also called Vulcan, you know, by the, by the Romans. And so Queen Athena uh, finished off him. She lavished splendor on his head and shoulders now, and down to the beach he walked. So, uh, and then, you know, uh, Nausicaa tells um, the girls to give him food and drink, my girls, you know, and so on. And they hung on, on her words and so on. They said before Odysseus, the food and drink, he ate and drank the great Odysseus, so ravenous now. It seemed like years since he tasted food and so on. Mm-hmm. And then they they fold all the clothes and packed them into the painted wagon, hitched up the mules and so on. And then Nausicaa urged Odysseus uh, warmly, uh, her guest, and she says to him, up with you now, my friend, and off to the town we go. I'll see you into my wise father's palace where, I promise you, we'll meet all the best Phaeacians. And so, uh, you know, she's telling him to uh, accompany her and, and, you know, walking beside her and so on. Right. And uh, so he says, uh, now, you know, they're going to go. And then she said, uh, and they'll say, now, who's that tall, handsome stranger Nausicaa has in tow and so on. And so, uh, uh so basically, they, they go to the palace, which uh, is beside a grove of poplar trees, which are sacred to Athena, by the way. I, I, I didn't know that or I found, uh, didn't remember that. that uh, the it makes pop- sense, of course. She's guiding him, protecting him. Yeah, so poplar trees are sacred to Athena. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, she tells him to take a seat and so on. Uh, and... Uh, and then she tells them to walk separately from them into the palace. And then she'll have them uh, properly greeted, okay? Mm-hmm. And, says, uh, uh, and she says, when you walk into the palace uh, and my father's throne is drawn up beside uh, my mother, queen, go past them, grasp my mother's knees if you want. And so if only the queen will take you to her heart, 
Then there's hope that you will see your loved ones, reach your grand house, our native, your native land at last, and so on. Um, and so, uh, you know, this this happens. And so what, what happens is uh, the sun sank as they reached the hallowed grove, and there was the palace sacred to Athena, where Odysseus stopped and sat, said a prayer at once to the mighty daughter of Zeus, and he says, Hear me, daughter of Zeus, whose shield is thunder, tireless one Athena. Now hear my prayer at last. For you've never heard me then when I was shattered, when the famous god of earthquakes, meaning Poseidon, wrecked my uh, craft, meaning his raft. Uh, grant that here among the Phaeacian people I may find some mercy and some love. So he prayed, and Athena heard his prayer. And she stood in awe of her father's brother, the Lord of the Sea, who will see Thon, still churning with rage against the great Odysseus, till he reached his native land. And that's how the chapter ends. Well, that's a really vivid and wonderful chapter, and a nice respite for our hero, who just gets beset on all sides, all throughout. I mean, obviously, 10 years in the Trojan War, and then just tossed about and suffering for years. So finally, a little, the, the hope, glimmers open for him. So wonderful, wonderfully done. Let's give uh, some applause for that. Thank you. And thank you. let's give, give an even bigger applause for uh, Dr. Gary Stickle. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> thank you. It's always, it's always fun to do these with you, Sean. And, uh, you know, I, I love uh, Homer's works and uh, hopefully we're indicating to people, you know, how meaningful and how enjoyable they will be if they'll read them. It there, it's just extraordinary. I love the Odyssey. So I want to thank you all for listening. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb. This has been the 34th Circe Salon, the Parallax Channel. We are doing Classical Studies 101, Chapter 6 of the Odyssey. Hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back for more. Thank you, and God bless.